Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today joined by Adam Jones and Gav Buckland as we form a front three to try and shoot down uh, Everton's problems and assess what's going to happen on Sunday, Goodison uh, Spurs. Gav's laughing, he's never been a centre forward in his I, life. I, I was going to say, don't we need a midfield He's a big target three? man, come on. <laughs> It's, it's a midfield three we need for Sunday, isn't it? Indeed. Well, that, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. as ever, Gav, trust you to neatly segue into one of the issues we do need to Love discuss, of course. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and that will be a big part of today's pod as we try and work out how Rafa Benitez will play on Sunday. You know, again, just coming out of his press conference, giving us some team news. Not great updates as, as it's been the case of late, uh, but we'll discuss what sort of team Rafa will play. We'll, we'll discuss the Conte effect. Will there be a Conte effect? Um, for Spurs coming to Goodison, of course, his first Premier League game with a new manager. Uh, we'll talk Andre Gomez. Um, two years this week since he suffered that horrific ankle injury against Spurs at Goodison. So I think a valuable talking point with Andre Gomez two years on and discuss where he's at. Uh, and various other points will come out. As we say, we just had the press conference this afternoon with Rafa. So, um, Ad, come on, straight off the bat, I know we normally leave this till the end of a podcast in a pre-match, but how does he line up? How does he pick a team that's going to get a result because we need a result on Sunday. Well, I think it was interesting in his press conference that he was talking about the reaction in the second half against Wolves, wasn't he? Because I think that should be the kind of basis for where we go forward for these next couple of weeks without Abdoulaye Decore to be able to put into that midfield. I think, you know, we've we've said on podcasts over the last couple of weeks that, you know, maybe a switch to a 4-3-3 in the absence of Decore would probably suit better so I think it was maybe a tiny bit of a surprise that we didn't switch to a 4-3-3 from the start against Wolves after what happened against Watford but seeing how uh, much more effective it was I don't think it was perfect by any means but you know it was much more effective uh, against Wolves who set up in a quite similar way to Spurs don't they in a sort of 3-4-3 kind of system uh, that's how we probably expect Antonio Conte to set up at the weekend so it was it was quite promising I think to see uh, Everton's four-three-three, you know, off the back of probably not much training in that uh, in that sort of system, work quite well. So perhaps if we worked on it for the for the week, then you know it would it would work out a lot better. I would argue. I've just been saying to Gav before we started recording. I would argue that I'd go with the same personnel as well. And, and I know Andros Townsend's been playing very well on the wing for us, but I think he's got the legs to be able to do that in central midfield with us. We've often talked about the fact that Alan need somebody with legs next to him and I think Townsend could be that perfect foil essentially to let Allen you know thrive a little bit more up the pitch I thought in the second half against Wolves it was a little bit underrated how much he how much more progressive he looked and how much more he seemed to be just enjoying that 90 minutes of football and you know when you've got the safety hopefully of uh, somebody like Fabian Delft behind you then uh, it allows both players to be able to do that so in in practice in, in theory I think that I think that 
would probably be the uh, the best way to go in practice. We'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see what uh, the manager comes up with. Gav, for the first time since he joined the football club in 2019, is Fabian Delf the first name on the team sheet? Um, uh, first name in the midfield. Yeah. And yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think Allison's always that first name on our team team sheet, isn't he? Um, probably followed by Pickford. Um, yeah. He, he's at the front of the team. The front of the names on the team sheet, isn't he? Well, given yeah, given his his checkered past with the club, that's that's some statement. That, that's nevertheless. Well, yeah, well, there's two things going on there. A, as Penno said, he's a good player, isn't he? Went fit, and B, the paucity of options and players in in form in in the centre of the park. So, yes, he, he's definitely one of the first names on the team sheet. Most most of most of the people I've spoken to and have heard speaking this week have been saying effectively the same thing. You know that actually he's a he's a must start for Sunday. His experience as well, isn't it? Mm. But if you think things through over the last couple of years with him and the stick he's got and all that, if we're now getting the bag and bubble out for him effectively, that probably says more about where we are as a club and a squad than, than Delft, to be honest with you. So, so, Gav, how does it look around him? Because you've, on a number of pods, and I think in the one we did on Tuesday, have made a very good point that Rafa's never played 4-3-3. Yeah. And no. I wouldn't expect him to, but... Have you have you got reason to, to to sort of second guess yourself ahead of the weekend because uh, because yeah, yeah, Delph, yeah. almost because Delph has almost got to start, but can you start him with just Alan next to him? It feels that's a little bit susceptible or could be susceptible. But well, you effectively see probably a little bit what you saw on Monday because I don't like Delph is a, is a is an upgrade on Gabamon. Spurs have probably got players who are an upgrade on. Well, I've got players who are an upgrade on Wolves' who's players, haven't you? Know, we look at the front three or four for a start, and we've got players like Son and Mora who will drop deep as well. And so all them positions where we're getting hurt on on Monday night, that's where Spurs can hurt you again, like you know. So yeah, uh, is not as four-three-three mercy never has been, and and. Which three you're talking about and what roles are they going to perform? You know, because ideally in the, in the middle today, I remember, I remember you did a piece with Silver about this once about what he was saying because Silver liked the three, didn't he? Mm. You know, when Silver first came to the club, I think if I remember, and you're saying that you should have one that sits in, one that's a bit more box to box, and somebody's like a little bit more offensive, you know. But actually, it could be argued that none of that, not only Delph is a sort of like defensive midfield that probably fits any of those profiles. We haven't got an attacking midfielder. We probably haven't got a box-to-box midfielder. The only one who can fit one of them is probably Delph in a, in a sort of sitting-in role. And he's not going to get the ball and ping it down the pitch, is he? Um, so it's all very well saying you have a midfield three, but they have defined roles. You don't just like stick them on the pitch and just tell them to run down because you end up with some of the chaos that we had on, on Monday night. So... I think people say we need a three. You need to think think things through. Which three is the best? And have have we got the right pit? You know, there's no point just doing it for the sake of it. But actually, the players you put in actually can't do the role or are inexperienced in doing it. So I think that's the first point I'd say. Uh, second point is if you do do it, you've got you got Delph, Alan, 
But uh, who's next? Townsend. Davis. Yeah. I mean, does and play? I'm not sure. I'm not clear. You know, if you're narrow midfield, I'm not so sure. Maybe Davis would be the obvious choice. But I mean, just trying to think when Tom played in midfield, six-two game against Spurs at Goodison, uh, mm. just ran that, ran through him. You know, uh, so it, it it sounds good, but when you think about it, it, it isn't really. You know, a great option when you look at the players we've got and what their attributes are. Because um, we then have Davis, Allen, uh, Delph. Well, not a lot, not a lot of creativity, or you know. Uh, and I, and I guess sorry, and sorry to interrupt, Gav, but it's kind of on on that thread, I guess. And I'll push this one onto Adam to to keep the conversation moving. If it's a three-man midfield, are you struggling to get Anthony Gordon into the team? Because it seems I'm sure everybody listening to this pod or the majority of people would say Anthony's got to start. I'm sure Rafa's thinking that that's probably the way he's going to go. You know, it'll give Goodison a lift to see Anthony in the starting eleven. Everything we need, the fans, you know, you know, it needs the fans. Doesn't he really behind the team on Sunday? But he's a four-three-three. Does that give you the chance to play Gordon? Given you'd probably Rafa would probably still want to play Richarlison, Damari Gray, Townsend. You know, I know we spoke about Townsend maybe dropping in again, but you know, does four-three-three allow Gordon to play? I think that would probably be the reason why I would play Townsend in the middle. To be honest, because I do think Anthony Gordon has to play, and I don't think Gordon or Gray can really fill one of those midfield roles. I think Townsend, the way he's been playing down that right flank for us, obviously he's been very effective getting forward and creating chances in the final third and stuff like that. But, you know, in those early games of the season, especially, you can see how much defensive work he was doing down that flank as well, especially helping out you know, the likes of Seamus Coleman or whoever was playing behind him when, when Coleman was injured. So, yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a real benefit that he can have. Uh, if he moves, if he was to move into the centre of the pitch, you know he's just generally a very combative player, isn't he? He'll give his all in in centre mid, and essentially that's that's what we're going to need. I, I understand what Gav's saying about you know the fact that we don't have players that are necessarily going to fit into these sort of defined roles that we would have for a four three three, but I would argue that we don't really have players to fit into defined <laughs> midfield <laughs> roles in general. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't have many yeah. players. Full stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I think we're just we're just scraping the bottom of the barrel at the minute, and I think shoving three bodies in there essentially is probably going to be the best the best way for us to do it. And if we're putting somebody like Townsend into the middle there, who's you know been one of our most committed players whenever he's been on the pitch so far this season. I really think that's going to be able to help you know, boost boost some sort of morale and confidence in midfield, and it obviously does allow Anthony Gordon to play. Whether whether that season would line up on the right or the left, I think that would be quite interesting to see how he plays uh, uh, alongside Damari Gray, for example, with Richarlison in the middle. But you know, it gives Anthony Gordon that chance to impress from the start that he really does deserve, doesn't he? You know, I think we were all a bit surprised to see him. On the bench against Wolves, came on and he was very impressive in those, you know, maybe fifteen minutes that he got. You know, he deserves he deserves a lot a lot more game time than that. So fingers crossed, it can uh, it can allow him to start as well. Gavin, you know, I don't know how many times on this pod or how many different matches we, we we've we've talked about probably most recently ahead of the first game of the season. 
as I mentioned earlier, it feels like the atmosphere and the reaction of the fans on Sunday is going to be important. The away fans are going to be up for it, of course. New manager, first league game yeah. and everything that goes with that. And obviously, emotions are running very high amongst Evertonians at the minute, especially in the wake of Monday's first half performance, especially. Yeah. What's your sense of how things are going to feel come kick-off and, and the first sort of 15, 20 minutes? Uh, funny enough, I, I, before we came on, me and I were discussing this about we, we've been here so many times before, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, that's a really good piece you did earlier on. We felt about like a lot of this is just the residue from 2017, 18, and all the mistakes that have been made since then. And, and during that four or five years' time periods, we've been, we've been here a number of times, haven't we? Um, the one I cited, I think, to, to add before we came on was I think we played City directly after we played Millwall in the FA Cup in 2019, a similar type of. Mm. Performance in Mill. I can't, I can't remember which how it worked out, but it was the first home game, and the 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 the, the, the sort of night. The theme of the night was damage limitation. Just put a performance yes. out, and you suspect that's what you want on on Sunday. They, they want, want a performance they, as a minimum. So we don't know what we saw in the last fifteen against Watford, and we don't want to saw in the first forty-five against Wolves. I mean, you could probably yeah, you don't see what you've seen the second forty-five against Wolves. Um, so that's what the mood is, at least effort. And all this is what Rafa talks about, you know, effort, mm. determination, character, personality. Oh, Stuff that was sadly lacking, as we said on Tuesday, referring to, to Monday night, particularly the opening 45. So that is the mood I'm sensing what the, what the, what it is with the supporters at the moment. And I think that's, mm. Totally, totally understandable, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. Mm. I think if we get a result on back of that, great. I mean, we can get a result, by the way. I mean, we've seen the second half and first half yesterday. Spurs might have some good players, but you don't just sack a manager for nothing. Well, exactly. Conte uh, uh, looked concerned or sounded concerned, didn't he? He said it wasn't the type of game he likes. It was a crazy game. Anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. So you mean we go on about some of our support? We go on about some of our players have seen off a few managers. Well, there's a, there's a few there's there's a few in the Spurs lineup who've seen off three managers in two years. They're on the fourth manager in in in, in two years, isn't it? You know, yeah. going back to Pochettino, Mourinho, Nuno. Um, I should just call him Conto there, should they carry something? <laughs> yeah, um, but. Uh, Conte is, uh, yeah, so there's a, there's a few issues in, in some respects. There's, we, we've just inspired the name, good, great team under Pochettino, love them, but they're not like that. They're so we actually... 2016-17. So let's, yeah. well, let's, let's flip it then, Gav. I mean, is there almost, there will be a, a level of expectation on Spurs coming to struggling Everton, yeah. Conte's coming in. Is that part of Rafa's team talk? Let's Absolutely. use Let's use that because... If we keep if we keep it tight, they're going to get you know they're going to get a bit nervous and what have you. Yeah, absolutely. And it's 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 in, in some respects it's not uncharted territory for Conte. But when he was here, but Chelsea had taken over the team who'd what won the title what a year before something like that. You know, twelve months before, far better team than what Spurs have got now. Though they have got Spurs, have got some play some good players. So 
we don't want to be seduced by Spurs here, and they're not playing Pochettino's team from 2017 here. They're a completely different beast, and uh, I think that is definitely part. You know, we don't want to be overawed by it, you know. Uh, and we can still get a result. I, if you just thinking the through when Adam was saying they're talking about like tactics and stuff, just wonder whether you might match him up on Sunday. Play three, four, mm. right? Play three at the back. Play Dinier and Coleman. Dinier's fit, I think. Oh, well, he's he can play. Yes, sounds like it. Yeah, yeah. And play, play, uh, Delph and Alan in the middle too. I'm just if if I was setting this up on 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 Sunday, that's what I'd do. Mm. I'd match them. Yeah. But it's win, a winnable game, Phil. Exactly yeah. because the the, the the pressure's on them as well, and uh, you know. So I, I don't. I'm not. Not when I say we're not playing the Vincent Spears team, and we need to remember that as a as a fan base as well. Absolutely. As obviously, you know, how much do you think you're coming to Rafa's thinking? And I guess again, he's not blessed with options, so he, he may laugh if if I ever said this to him. You know, at this point, but how much of his thinking in terms of selection will be based on on the players who mentally could deal with the situation? Because as we say, emotions are running high. Um, you know, it, it won't. It, it, we can't guarantee things will run smoothly. You know what? You know, players have struggled for reactions. You know, you know, it, it, uh, on Monday. You know, and of course, as we saw so vividly against Watford, and I'm, and the player. And, I, and again, we don't want to. I'm not scapegoating him, but I'm thinking it would be the wrong decision. Not because also because he played poorly on Monday, but to include Alex Iwobi in the starting eleven because you know as well as anybody, if that first pass from Iwobi or that first run or that first cross is a duff one, Goodison will groan. And he doesn't strike me as the sort of player that can recover from the tone being set from the stand in his performance. Yeah, I think I think it's a very worthwhile point to make, to be honest, because I think you, you, you've struck the nail on the head with somebody like Iwobi in particular. It's mad to think that Iwobi was the one who got that goal against Wolves, wasn't he? But like, I think realistically, that's probably the only thing I can remember him actually doing in the match. I think he had a, a nice little interchange in the first half, maybe. Uh, but yes. apart from, aside from that, the goal, they really it was a it was an extremely quiet performance, and you can't really get away with doing that at Goodison, as you say. You know, he's the kind of player who. You know, wants to be very progressive, doesn't he? You know, he wants to try and uh, take people on and create things. But you know, the sad, the sad effect of that almost is that you're going to lose the ball probably more times than most other players on the pitch. I think Anthony Gordon probably falls into that category as well. But what Anthony Gordon does is that he works so hard off the ball. He makes a point of working so hard off the ball that he's like right to the fans, right? I'm putting in for this tackle. I'm getting back here. Whereas it will be. I'm sure he does get himself into the right positions at times, but he just he, he never seems to be, you know, busting a gut to get back and you know make a slide tackle on mm. someone. Does he like like Anthony Gordon did straight away when he came on against Wolves, for example? So I think that might come into Rafa Benitez's thinking, to be honest, and it probably harks back to what he was saying in his press conference and the fact that he highlighted Fabian Delph so much and you know not just his experience but his trophy winning experience as well and how that can you know emanate round to the rest of the squad and I think. You know that that's the kind of player that he probably wants to lean on a little bit in a situation like this. I think, you know, probably part of Rafa Benitez's team talk surely has to be, you know, in the first 10, 15 minutes. You mentioned uh, Conte talking about Spurs' 
uh, crazy game that they had in the Europa League and the fact that he said the team lost confidence when Vitesse went at them a bit and started started getting that air comeback going. Surely the first 10-15 minutes for Everton just needs to be get at them. Like more than more than any other time, just absolutely get right in their faces. Do not let them settle. Get Goodison Park right behind you and then see where that 10 or 15 minutes can take you from that point on. Whether you score in that period or whether you're you know, keeping it nil-nil in that period, as long as you set that boundary right at the start, that should be what Everton build their their performance on. So he needs the kind of players who are going to be able to instil that in the rest of the squad as well. I think Adelph probably could be that from the centre of the pitch. I think you're looking at you know the likes of your Townsends to do that. You know Richarlison up front. You need him to really set the tone and charging down those three probably three centre backs that Spurs are going to have. So. There's a lot of different aspects that Rafa does need to consider for this, but I think you know the fact that you know he probably will need uh, mentally tough players. I think is is certainly one of them. Yeah, mm, and unfortunately they are not uh, they're not sort of in excess. They're thin on the ground a little bit after we what we saw on Monday. But um, hands up uh, both of you if uh, when Rafa was listing the players who were injured and who were fit, hands up if you thought he was going to say, "Oh, and Fabian's had a setback." <laughs> Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. I did. And, and, I did. That, and that's not that's not me being like funny or you know taking the mick. I just think that it was just it would have just been so fitting of of his Everton career that he would have played so well on Monday. And everybody's going, he's got to start, and then Rafa go, oh, he he's felt his hammy or whatever. But it sounds as we record There's this, still two days, Phil. Well, it sounds at the minute, as we recalled this pod on Friday afternoon, the fit available and very much yeah. in the manager's thinking. But uh, one player, Gav, who won't be in the manager's thinking because he's still injured, uh, Andre Gomez. And as we said at the top of the podcast, yeah. it was two years ago this week, two years yeah. ago on uh, Wednesday, I think, would mark the, for want of a better word, anniversary, uh, if you like, of two years from that horrific ankle injury that Andre suffered against Spurs at Goodison. Uh, November 2019. Uh, he came back in the February quicker than we all thought against Arsenal, yeah. came off the bench, um, but then admitted that he took him a while to get 100% fit. COVID and, 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 the, and the enforced stopping of, of the Premier League had an impact as well. But he's been free of that and, and fit, in inverted commas, for quite a while now, well over a season. How would you assess what he's produced since since he's been clear of, of the injuries that came as a result of the ankle? I think, well, like, well let's just take Winder back to what do you think of him since he joined the club. I think he got to um, to have, I mean, he came with a good track record on the CV. Uh, teams he's played for, fees he's commanded. Um, got, I can't, you know, the first, first thing I'd say is I don't put, like Gomez's career Evan has sort of been massively affected by his injury in terms of performances before and after. I, I've never believed that. Uh, he, he's, I, I've star-wise, I've said before, he's a classic Southern European midfielder, Gomez, who picked the ball off the back four in leagues that aren't as intense as the Premier League, got, got time on the ball and he'll, he'll swing the ball around the pitch. You know, because he can pass, he can pass the ball. Can't oh yeah, you know? he pick it on, pass the ball, and you know, and have the game in front of him, and you know, move things on. And you know, there's lots of players like that in Portugal and Spain, particularly in Italy. Um, 
that's not the type of player that flourishes in this country because actually the pace of the game and it is going to, you know, um, affect you. I mean, I've drawn this comparison before, and it's not the right, in, in terms of ability, not the right way. I, I was draw comparisons between him and Juan Sebastian Ferran and Man United. He was a far, far superior player. But in, in some respects, he had similar attributes, so Ferran was more pace, yeah. But when it comes to the Premier League, he'd been used to pick, he'd been used to picking the ball up in Italy and stuff and you know, passing the ball out. But in the Premier League, he never had players running at him. A pace like like he did initially 20 years ago. And it was noticeable like United. He was far better playing in Champions League games than what he was in the Premier League. And he'd been bent off, hadn't he, within, what, two years, went on loan to Chelsea. Because the game was just passing him by in some respects. And and, and that's always been me with Gomez. He's, he's the wrong type of player for, for this country in terms of attributes. He's a Southern European midfielder. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is, in terms of his output, he's a one goal. You look at his career, he's a one goal or two goal, one goal, one assist, two assists a season guy. You know, I think he's got, is it still one goal and one assist at Everton? Uh, no, I think he's assist. I think he's got about three or four assists now. Oh, yeah, I think he's yeah, still yeah. Really one goal. One goal yeah. against goals, which was a great goal, wasn't it, by the way? Um, mm. You know, so in terms of like a, macro view of him that's what i'd say is i don't think any of that stuff has been affected by his injuries just the wrong type of player i'd also question on occasions whether he fancies it um you know and just going back i think we mentioned the spurs game of six two he was the sense that he was in the two one he with tom davis absolutely poor you know, yeah. and the Wolves game last season. No, Wolves game in 2019-20 at the start of the season when we had to, no scores game we had to win to go top or we went, you know, it's one of the worst performances I've ever seen by an Everton player and that was before his injury. So I don't buy that injury thing though. I've obviously got a lot of sympathy for him and he's shown a lot of character to come back from it. So I just don't think he's a player shooting to play in English football. That said, the Merseyside derby at Anfield in December 19th 18. Is it 18? Is it that long ago? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. This, 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 this uh, lockdown and stuff is easy, <laughs> oh, easy to, like, you know, you know, it's that December 18. God bless us. Mm. Um, he was a man of the match, wasn't he? By, oh, he's by comfortably against some really top, uh, top, 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 top player, you know, <laughs> you know, really, really, you know, top class players. Um, should have scored as well. Um, so, but ultimately, that's what I'm saying. I just don't think he's a place, maybe mentally as well, and and star wise chooses the English game, and that's shown basically over his three and a half years for me. Um, I don't necessarily put some of his, a lot of his um, struggles down to the injury. Though mm-hmm. fair play to him, he's come back really quickly from that. Um, but there is a player there, but whether it's a Premier League player or suits the Premier League, is I'm very much doubt. You know, as I'm sure many people were at the time, I was very much in favour of turning that loan into a permanent. Thought he'd, he'd shown plenty of potential in that in that season on loan, but Adam, it hasn't. He hasn't kicked on, and the injury obviously was a big a big factor in in stopping him in his tracks. But ever since then, you know, as as Gav has alluded to, Gav didn't. You know, I said there's been question marks always over his suitability as a Premier League player full stop and regardless of the injury and I just I just find it interesting I look back this week and 
I found some old quotes from, from Marcel Brands who'd said he'd attempted to sign him at PSV. And I just wonder, and it's, look, we're all, we're all geniuses in hindsight, aren't we? And ultimately, you know, we're not the ones who are in the position to make these decisions and, and recruitment isn't spot on. Nobody gets it 100% right. But I just wonder whether maybe there's been a bit of a the belief that he was going to do it in Holland and the belief that he can do it in the, in England are actually maybe the, the truth was was lies in the fact that yeah he probably would do it in Holland and quite comfortably but the Premier League is unique isn't it mm, well yeah there's always going to be a bit of crossover isn't there especially you know with Marcel Brands coming straight from PSV to Everton you know I don't think there's any surprise that he would have you know some some targets still whirling around in his head and he's you know he's obviously got preconceived notions essentially on on those targets so he's thought oh well i thought he could do it there so why couldn't he do it here and i think you're right in saying that you know when he did come on loan you know the uh, fans all wanted him to to sign permanently at the end of that loan spell i, I seem to remember it was his first game against crystal palace at Goodison yes Park. And it was quite—it came as quite a surprise, didn't it? Because he was recovering from that injury that he had when we signed him. It's quite a surprise to see him start in that game, and he absolutely ran ran the show next to address a guy. We were talking in the car on the way back from Wolves about this, weren't we? The fact that in that in that loan spell, Andre Gomez could pick pick the ball up off the centre backs with his back to the opposition goal, shrug off about two or three players all at once in some weird feet of strength and dribbling and then run 30 yards with the ball and then play a perfect pass out to you know a marauding dean or a coleman when was the last time we saw andre gomez do that and he was doing that pretty consistently in his loan spell so i think what gab's really saying is right the fact that you know that if i think the real turning point was his loan turning into a permanent rather than the injury itself when it when his loan turned into a permanent that was when we started to see a, a, a bit of a different side to Andre Gomez, more akin to the player that Gav would describe. And they, I mean, let's be honest, even in that loan spell, he, he only got the one goal, didn't he? Maybe one assist, maybe maybe two assists. I'm, I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really sure. So they're they're not exactly amazing figures. And when we already had address a guy in that side who you know wasn't. The player who was going to get forwards and you know create assists or get goals, he very quickly became a luxury player that we couldn't really afford to have in the setup because we needed goals from midfield and essentially by playing Gomez we were taking out you know we were adding in some some level of creativity I suppose in the in the centre of the pitch and some level of composure on the ball but he wasn't exactly defensively savvy he's not exactly somebody who's going to get you lots of goals and assists so. You know, in a, in a different sort of team and a different sort of setup, with you know two players next to him who probably you know one would be a defensive player and one would be the attacking player. I think he could be in a nice little you know box to box midfielder. Going back to what we were talking about earlier about those yeah. those roles in midfield, I think he he could, he could be great at that and linking up you know the attack and defence sort of thing when the pressure's not on him to get goals and assists or to be the defensive man. But so often over the last couple of seasons, we've used him in a two, like in the games that Gav mentioned before, you know, that Spurs game, he was in a two with Tom Davis and he just doesn't fit into one of those roles at all, does he? You put too much pressure on him. And I think, you know, the game that summed it up probably for me this season was when we went to QPR and he started in that game. 
and he just looked a shadow of the player that we had on loan. He, 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 he really did get overrun in midfield by a championship team there, which I think really, really put into perspective how much he's fallen over the last couple of years. And yeah, you can say that the injury has played some sort of factor in that, but I don't think it can really be the overlying sort of reason behind that at, at this point. So it's really... It, it really is a shame to see, to see Andre Gomez like this. And hopefully when he does come back from this current problem, he can get a bit of a run into the team and start improving again. But, you know, how many times have we said that over the last couple of years? Like over over his, you know, little issues that will keep him out for two, three, four weeks. We hope that it'll be a renaissance for him and it just never really never really transpires that way. So, yeah, it just really is a shame to, to, to see him like this at the minute. Um, I think you you mentioned a piece I did earlier in the week where I, I sort of said 2017 is is held up as the as the sort of one of the darkest periods, most damaging periods in terms of transfer activity yeah, yeah. In, the, in the club's recent history. But I made the point that actually, while that still remains the case, record numbers spent, huge wages given out. Yeah, actually, we have to start now looking at 2019. 110 million pounds spent on on transfer fees. Yes. A lot of money recouped by the football club and, and credit for that. Yeah. In terms of reinvesting it, it's been been terrible, really. I mean, you think about the players, Lossell, Sidibe on loan, not retained. Delph, yeah. terrible injury problems. Gomez, we've just discussed. Yeah. Bamin, terrible injury problems. Moise Keane has played more times for other clubs when he's been under contract for Everton <laughs> than Everton. And Alex yeah. Iwobi. Will be played over seventy-five times for the football club, and I think you could probably, on on less than a hand, pick out good performances. You know, I just wonder whether you agree that we need to start looking at twenty nineteen almost in the same context as twenty seventeen. Yeah, and also the two January two thousand eighteen transfer window. Oh, well, um... that's a pod in itself. <laughs> Flights to Turkey oh, to you know, make sure we get Jenkins and oh. You know, when I was a kid, I always, always say, uh, oh, look, should I suppose Everton to the Echo? And it's like, weeks like this, I'll take on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this, this, and this is a separate issue. I know uh, Chris B did a, another piece, you know, uh, this week. Is There's a lot of players at the club that we spent big money for that we're going to end up getting nothing for. Big, big money and big wages. Who at the end of their con- contract will go on a free or a year left, and we'll end up getting them just getting them just to get rid of the, the wages. Which well, is well, Gav, terrifying thought. Gav, sorry you to know. interrupt. Uh, sorry to interrupt there, but you know, you look at two of the most recent exits from the football club. Bernard has gone to play in Saudi Arabia, and James yeah. Rodriguez has gone to play in Qatar. And with the greatest respect to those two leagues and the players in yeah. it, those two players last season were meant to be first team. But in the first team picture, first team regulars, James was yeah. a first team regular when he was fifth. And look, James is a special talent, etc., and all of that. Yeah. But ultimately, they've gone to Saudi Arabia and Qatar. 
Yeah, and I think well, I think some of that's the way he's though, Phil, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever it is, so you know, I mean, Hamas was on fifty grand a week at Everton, forty grand a week. He'd be playing in Europe, wouldn't he? Yeah. You yeah. know, you know what I mean. I think some. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. it's not necessarily just as their quality and their decline and powers. It's it's the money they're on and, and stuff. True. True. Uh, I mean, to be fair, they got sent off last week, didn't he, Hamas? I think last week. Yes, weekend, was it? he did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he, got, he got he got he got clattered to be fair to him. Yeah. But um, he wasn't happy with the ref, was he? No, no you, you, you are right. You are right. I, I went through that list, and you're looking at it. Really, and um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't, let's hope there's not a 2020 or two, well, we won't have a 2021, will we? Because we were saying like that sound, and then uh, Greg will probably be someone. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You're right. You're right. I mean, but that's a separate issue, and, and that's the sort of stuff that's being under discussion. I won't say I not use the word encouraging, but it, it's been like a, it's been good this week to see some realism. Particularly like since Benitez as a manager, not necessarily a popular appointment, which I, I get that completely. That actually, some weeks like this, people, a lot of supporters are taking a more mature and bigger, bigger view of things. And there's been lots of your piece was typical of that, you know, you know, providing background to that. That actually, the problems with Monday, yeah, self-inflicted a little bit on Monday night to the great first forty-five minutes, but they're just symptomatic of wider transfer failings over the last three four five years isn't it you know and that's left us in this position where we've got two goalkeepers on the bench and a couple of academy lads and we've got still the two are out of four and can't even you know get ahead of people who've not played for two years and stuff and it's not just about benitez and now and i think a lot of people thankfully this week where i think maybe you maybe expect well that manager's going to get under scrutiny, which I think he should. I'm looking at the bigger picture, like some of the stuff that you you put out there. That it's 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 cause and effect, and the cause not necessarily the current manager and some of the players. It, it runs a bit deeper, deeper mm. than that. As you say, I forgot. I didn't realise the 2019 list till I saw it. I thought, cheers, Phil. Thanks for that. It's just, <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's just like yeah. I mean this. It's frightening the number of players 2017, 19, 18, 19 that will end up selling for nothing. It's not yeah. selling. You know, sell it's not even nothing. They, you know, the contract will end or... Well, I mean, look, I mean, Lossell was a free and he left for, for, for yeah. next to nothing. Sadibi was loan. Okay, we paid a loan yeah. fee. and So, Delphal leave for nothing. Um, what would we get for Iwobi in the, in the summer if you put him up the market? Keen will get a, a yeah, little yeah. bit of a profit, five million. Yeah, yeah. I think you know. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, Gabamin's price, you know, rightly or wrongly, unfortunate with injuries or not. Yeah, his price has plummeted. Uh, Gomez, what would you get for him now? Very, very well, difficult. What would you get? Would you get? I mean, I, I, I mean, to be fair, some of that, some of that's down to the change in the yes. market because of you know of course. Uh, COVID, uh, which hasn't helped. Um, so I think, and, and I, I just, this plays into the meaner conversation. I think is people know people. There's a lot of players on good money, uh, six-figure salaries a, a week, you know. And I was thinking about this regarding meaner, and it won't just apply to meaner. There's people who are on pre-COVID contracts now who may not want to move club because why would they? Because I'm, I'd take a drop on wages, and I'm just wondering whether you see players who think financially it's best for them. To sit sit to sit to the end of their contract. 
move on a move on a three, and then that gives them a bit more negotiating power for a high wage, comparable to what they're on now. Yeah, and and you know, I'm just thinking about the meaner situation, whether that that plays into it. Because me and I would imagine John, well, you see, it's under grand a week, bandied about. Not going to get under grand a week anywhere else. Mind you, if he goes on a free run, if he sees out his contract. And well, I'm sure there's, there's quite a few players like that around the country in the Premier League. What did, uh, what did Don King famously once say? You don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, be, yeah. So you could be right there. There could be a number of players who were uh, you were thinking yeah, like that, Gav. Yeah, yeah. Because like any like any other people, you know, show underground a week. People live to the means. It's like they're just used to the salary, like every like you and I are, and that is and stuff, you know. And so they said, "Well, how do I want to preserve my my standard of living, my income?" Well, actually, the best thing to do is move on a free. Haven't you seen my contract out? And and I'm Indeed. just sure wondering if that might be might happen quite a bit over the next eighteen months or two years. That doesn't spell, that's not great for us, Gal. <laughs> I, I, I just want yeah. to cheer everybody up, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, but you know what I mean? I just this this is part of the problem saying about we let so many players go for free or nothing and stuff. And because of some of this stuff, it's the COVID, isn't it? It's not you know. I'm mm. I'm sure if uh, we knew the future economic conditions in 2017 to 2019. We would have looked at things differently, and we've been hit far more than a lot of other clubs because of our spend in the two or three years before the uh, before 2020. You know, indeed, indeed. Okay, uh, customary prediction time now. Before we end the pod, as Everton versus Tottenham Hotspur, Goodison Park, Sunday, two o'clock. How's it going to go? <sighs> Such a hard well, that's game. That's not a good start, <laughs> isn't it? Well, it, it is. It is just hard, isn't it? Like, because I, I, I get what we were saying before that Spurs, you know, haven't just magically become a really decent team now that Antonio Correct. Conte is there. But they have obviously got the motivational boost of Antonio Conte being there. You know, he's not. He's not really had a lot of time on the training pitch. Although he did, he was forty-five minutes late for his press conference today because he kept them out on the training pitch a bit later than a. Uh, than intended, which is quite interesting. He was obviously drilling some sort of message into them. Hopefully, um, hopefully he doesn't like what he sees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go for a draw. I think it's going to be a decent game. Like Going, on, going by what happened with Spurs last night, I think it's probably going to be a decent game. Uh, I'm going to go 2-2, 2-2 draw. Wow. Goals. Gaff, how do you think it's going to go? Yeah, I think it'd be 2, two o'clock... Sunday's never the great atmosphere, is it? As we seen the other week against was it West Ham? Interesting that Son's first game, hasn't it? In front of a crowd. Mm, interesting. There you go. Good, fa- mm. interesting factor there. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that might wind some of the uh, some of the crowd up, rightly or wrongly, you know. Um, I think I was saying about the start importance, isn't it? Yeah, I was going to use in the face there, but oh, this is so happy <laughs> phrase, isn't it? Really? <laughs> you know. uh, yeah, I think I've, I've gone on another spiel here. Yeah, I, I, the big goals, won't it? Because they've conceded five, haven't they? At home in a week, we've conceded whatever five in our last home game. Uh, so yeah, goals. I think that's a good shout to all, but so it's just. How about Everton, a awe-inspiring 3-2 win? 
Oh, we're getting over the, getting over the line. You know, make Mr. Positive on the uh, exactly on the pod, Phil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I was, uh, I was, <laughs> I, I was rather naively thinking it could be a, a, a nil-nil with uh, oh. Rafa just setting us up to uh, to just not concede. But then, when was the last time we kept a clean sheet? So uh, yeah. I suspect there will be goals. But I think we, I think slash hope we can get something one-one. I think um, I think it'd be tight, okay. uh, and I, th- I think that might. Not please, of course, but satisfy for a short time both managers. I think that's not a not the worst result for either at this point, isn't it? So uh, let's see. Um, chaps, thank you very much for joining us. Great stuff as always. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, Adam and I will be at Goodison on Sunday, so uh, follow us for all the news, reaction, analysis, and opinion across Sunday afternoon into Monday. Hopefully, we go into another international break on the back of a positive result. The last one was United, wasn't it? 1-1. So, fingers crossed, uh, a similar sort of reaction and response. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.